It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny and this is my show. And today we thought we'd take a look at the life and times of the sheepherders. Formerly known as the Bushwhackers and also formerly known as the Sheepherders, with the recent passing, sadly, of Mr. Butch Miller. We thought it was about time we looked at some serious wrestling from their career. Not that we're going to ignore the Bushwhackers, because it was important to their legacy, because that made them WWE Hall of Famers. But the interesting bit for us was the territory phrase of the Sheepherders, or the Kiwis' career, which really launched them on the international stage. And to analyse their respective Hard bumping, hard knocks, full on brawling style is the master of death himself. Is John Dinsdale? How you doing, sir? I'm pretty good. I bet people thought they were never going to hear from me again. Oh, <laughs> it's such a shame. I'm back. <laughs> well, I kind of when I said let's do the sheep pose, you were like, "Ooh, yeah, let's do the sheep pose." Yeah, I, I practically did the fucking walk over to my laptop just to watch it. <laughs> So the Sheepherders began as a tag team in the late 1960s, or mid 1960s. First, originally known as the Kiwis, where they were kind of what you best described as a, a working heel tag team. Um, and we're going to look at some of those early matches. They started off in New Zealand, as you could probably imagine, uh, and then spent some time on the Grand Prix circuit um, in eastern Canada, uh, Quebec, Maritimes, Ontario, and Vermont. Uh, before moving on to Stampede Wrestling, which is where we're going to start our first show. Um, the the, the uh, original members of the team were Luke Williams and Butch Miller, uh, though there were various standings which we will get into uh, as we um, get forward, as we move forward. Um, but obviously, the most famous period of their career is the Bushwhackers period of their career from 1989 to around about 1999. Um, and we'll talk about that close to the time, but how do you square the circle of those two careers, which are essentially two completely different careers in the same career? What's your thoughts on them as the Bushwhackers when you know what happened before, John? Quite wild, because some of the matches we're going to get to are just, like, vicious. And then you sort of look at the Bushwhackers, and it's like, oh my god, they're like, for the most part, like, they were still wrestling well, but it's like, they're goofy comedy guys. And it's just like, you sort of see the what happens when people are given the freedom to pick what they want to do. And it's just like, well, uh, we're <laughs> going to work smarter, not harder here, because we've We've done some pretty hellacious things to get where we are. Now let's reap the rewards. <laughs> Most but it's, again, it's, it's funny because they're still working hard. It's just they don't have to take the ridiculous amount of barbed wire cage matches. They can just be more like personality driven. They can have more f- fun and just, yeah. Like, I think it feels like the sort of. Right, we've done the hard road. Here's our sort of reward for it. This is the sort of hard at the top of the mountain. I would completely agree. And we're going to start with a classic sheep herder's opponent, the Hart Brothers. In this particular case, Brett and Keith Hart. The sheep herders arrived in 
uh, Calgary and instantly became top heel tag team. Um, and obviously, the biggest name to wrestle in that particular territory was Brett and Keith and, and um, Bruce and Owen and whoever was about. At this particular point, it was Keith and Brett. Um, and this match is kind of here highlights what the Harbors were about, which was roaring comebacks, um, as you can imagine, for the top baby faces in the territory. And what the sheep herders were about, or the Kiwis, as they were known at the time, which was big, bump big, and bump often, which is really what they were after doing. This was kind of still pure wrestling. We're not into the full-on gore, which we will definitely see later on in these matches, but they were heat magnets, weren't they? Yeah, they are not very popular here, and they are making full use of such a fact. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean... Butch began in the 1960s. I think his rookie year was 65 and Luke was 66. Um, and one of the guys that Butch, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he was a deaf and um, he was deaf wrestler from Wigan of all places. He moved to Australia and began wrestling and he was a snake pit guy. And he did him round the loop and basically learned how to wrestle by being beaten up by a snake pit guy, as lots of people did in the 1960s. Uh, <laughs> Because they did rounds in New Zealand, they were still on Mount Evans rules, you see. Um, and they had to have lights flashing for this um, blind lad, oh, sorry, deaf lad who was wrestling. So they had a light flash at the end of the round, which I kind of just thought was a cool concept. Wrestling has always welcomed the less able, and I applaud that. And maybe not in the most ethical manner, <laughs> but you know, they level the playing field where they can. Um, but yes, and the Kiwis are kind of a classical tag team of the 1960s. They haven't got the gimmick that they would become famous for yet. They're just a peel tag team. Um, and this was really just kind of classic tag team wrestling of doing stuff behind the referee's back and winning matches as sneakily as possible. And the Canadian fans loved it. Well, they hated it, but they loved to hate that stuff. Um, and the match is won when Butch essentially falls on top of Keith and is pinned in the corner, and Keith can't move after Luke kicked behind the head. And that was that. <laughs> uh, any comments on that match? Not really. I kind of you've summed it up nicely. It's just it's the sort of groundwork showing they were great workers. They had like psychology down and they knew how to sort of get people over while still you know being bastards <laughs> <laughs> and then we move on to um well, pacific northwest um pacific northwest was don owen's promotion up in portland oregon very popular with wrestlers because they had really good payoffs uh very popular with fans because they had good payoffs they attracted big stars and in this particular case um uh, Luke and Butch, or actually he wasn't Butch then because he was being announced as Nick Carter, which was his wrestling name. Sweet William, Sweet William, um, Sweet Luke Williams and Nick Carter, as we're tired of tagging here. And they were a technically gifted tag team. They kind of rounded out by the time they got to Pacific Northwest. Um, this is very early 80s. Um, and then in this particular match, we've got two matches from Pacific Northwest. The first one, is up against Adrian Adonis and Rugged Ron Starr, two people who would get much bigger fame as heels later in the decade. Obviously, Adrian Adonis wrestled Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 3 in the hair versus hair match. 
um, and was one of the biggest draws in the WWE. Um, unfortunately for him, he had to carry that terribly homophobic game gimmick. Um, and Rugged Run Star was the regional territory guy who was a big draw all over the South. Spent a lot of time in Memphis, as you can imagine, because he's a perfect Memphis guy. Absolutely gorgeous haircuts in this match. Adrian Donis, Shag Mullet, um, Rugged Ron Star, full on perm, and Butch and Luke both sporting kind of just grown out mess. I think is the best way to describe it. <laughs> I, knew you'd, I knew you'd be having fun with that. Oh, it's isn't it? Watching this video. Someone asked me this morning, um, I was, um, I can't remember what, one of my regular Twitter spreaders, I, I posted huge Under Armour had done an advertising campaign with Tetsuya Nato in Japan. And it's Nato mm. in the gym wearing his LIJ cap. <laughs> and um, someone said to me, on a side note, that hair's not real, is it? And I was like, oh no. This is the best of a really bad selection of haircuts that Tetsuya has inflicted upon the world in the last 10 years because he stopped caring. Um, but yeah, so there's been plenty of hair talk today. But there is a gorgeous selection of haircuts in this particular match. Um, and the sheep herders, or the Kiwis as they are still known, uh, absolutely super over as heels, even though this is one of the early matches in the territory. I would also say they've yet to reach their peak stall. One of the key things about the sheep herders is they do love a good stall. And there's a little bit of stalling at the beginning of this match, but they're not in their epic five or six minutes worth of stall that we get in. Like I was watching some of these matches and the match, like the video was 30 minutes long, but it was at least 12 minutes of stalling. Yeah, there's one that I can just see at the bottom, like at the bottom of the available playlist selection where I'm just like, yep. About 12 minutes of this is just them fighting over flags. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how you get heat. And this is a good example of like <clears throat> Butch and Luke pressing the rules as much as they possibly can to get as much heat as they possibly can. Um, also, best of three falls in Pacific Northwest matches. So there was plenty of action to be had in this particular match. The only trouble with this match, or it was the next match, is they went to a backstage interview halfway through after the second fall and gave away the result of the match. Did you notice that? Yeah, because at first I was sort of like, oh, was that it? They've just got 10 minutes of like backstage interview and I sort of skipped ahead a bit and I'm like, wait, why were they talking about the matches if it was over when there's another fucking fall? Yeah, it's a bit weird. Just terrible production. But there's just lovely little tag team spots like... Um, one star's got Luke in an armbar and he reaches out for a tag and Butch is arguing with the audience so he's not there to make the tag and by the time he turns around and gets back to his corner Ron's pulled him out the corner it's just a lovely little stuff it's just a lovely little whole, wrestling match again there's a load of personality there even though we're not in full on sheep herders territory yet they're just having fun whilst being pretty damn technical and just textbook heels and if you know, if you were like gonna find a WWF wrestler of the nineteen eighties and nineties who you would absolutely describe as not technically gifted, it would be Luke Williams. And yet here, he's a bit of an armbar machine. <laughs> I mean, he's not Zack Sabre Junior or anything, but he can go. Oh, did you see the greatest match announcement of all time? 
Yes, Nick Gage versus Zack Sabre Jr. How cool is that? Like that. That is going to be one of the best matches of the year because I just know those two have probably cooked up something incredible. Undoubtedly. Makiito's on that card and you mashed her as well. I would actually like to see Makiito versus Lexaver Jr. at some point just for the level of swearing involved, which would be awesome. Um, however, yeah, back to this match. It's it's They really build the heat over the three falls. And um, I believe, I can't believe who wins this one, to be honest with you. Just it's obviously the new Rising Stars. Adrian Dunn is going for his spin towels. Yeah. I'm sure um, they win with the pile driver. Because again, it. it's, like, it's like, holy shit, the pile driver? Yeah, yeah, it's sick. It's, um, it's a lot of place. It's good. It's really good. Um, and what was watch? I think it's quite funny that like we're watching a team that are infamous for their stalling because they're working at a fair pace here. Yeah. <laughs> like... that's it. I mean, really, this match is well, the whole video is eleven minutes long, but the match itself would have been about fifteen minutes long without edits and stuff. Rest is recalls match. Uh, interestingly, uh, referee is Sandy Bar who was the father of, um, is it Sandy Bar? No. Um, yeah, Sandy Bar, who was the father of Matt Bar, who ended up being Jimmy Jack Hook in the WWF. Um, the funniest thing here is, like, they hit the pile driver and just as, like, Star's about to break up the pin, it's just like, ah, 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 just twats him in the back of the head. <laughs> it's also like callous it's hilarious it is then we move on to the big money feud that they had in Pacific Northwest as the Sheep Birders, um, along with their manager of the army Woody Rose go up against the young tag team of Rick Martel and Hot Rod Rowdy Ronnie Piper in the opening salvo of a feud that would make Piper a national star and percolate Rick Martel to the AWA World Heavyweight Championship and cement sheep herders as the guys to make guys. Um, this match is a championship match, but it's not the championship match that everyone remembers, which is the one where Piper hit himself in the bottom of the, bottom of the head during the promotions. But in the meantime, this match is just outstanding work. As not necessarily as a technically gifted match, though Martel was very capable and Piper isn't a scientific master, but he can go when he wants to go. And he wanted to go here. And um, Butch and Luke were more than willing to go with them. Plus, they had an absolute master of heat in Buddy Rose on the outside. He was top heel in the territory. Piper had just turned babyface before this um, series started. Um, Piper had been part of Buddy Rose's army and was one of the top heels in the territory before this because that was Piper's. Piper always going into a territory as a heel and came out as a babyface because it's much more easy to make money. You always got two bites of the cherry then. Um, you could have a run for 18 months as a heel, a run for 18 months as a babyface and move on, and that was three years worth of work. Whereas if you start as a babyface, it's an awful lot harder to make, he- make money as a heel. So 
he was a very smart man. And um, the sheep herders are equally smart people. They knew their niche, which was to be badass heels, and that's exactly what they were here. And then you see early bits of bushwhack emotion coming into things, specifically Butch Miller's reaction to fans and stuff. They still have like that exaggeratory nature to them. There's a lot of gestures and just funny expressions and just, as you said, freak outs to the point that, yep, here we go, stalling begins. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see. So we've been watching this match for two minutes and 30 seconds already. The, the, the playback of this match is 32 minutes. We're not going to watch the whole thing. We're just going to see how long it's going to stall for. And we're watching this as we're doing it with you just because it's easier for us because we've watched it in one order. Roddy Piper's tartan tights. There we go, they've started. Yeah, that was... But how long will... Two minutes and... It was two minutes and 49 seconds. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how long the stalling goes on for when we watch, late, watch later matches. Roddy Piper with the sunset flip. How often did you see that? <laughs> Again, it's one of those crisp matches that was just kind of wrecked by its production because they kind of gave away the fall before we could actually see it. Also, the commentators are dreadful. Like, I think this is the thing, like, later on, even the next match, there are really good commentators. Um, and it just enhances these matches so much. Here you've got, like, four of the biggest stars in the industry, and the commentary is just not up to scratch. Um, in comparison, even for its time, it's not that good. Stalwart's Calgary was always known for having ropey commentary at best. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is it's just, just there's no characters for it, it's just kind of a bit flat. Um, but yeah, this was the one that made them all serious money, and this was the opening salvo. What did you think of this, John, as an overall performance? Yeah, again, it's just it showcases so many like diverse talents here. The sheep herders make their name as like the star making heels. Piper goes over like mad and Martel just sort of keeps everything going. He's the blue guy. It's yeah. just very well orchestrated again. It's just ruined by shitty editing. Because the funny thing is, you mentioned commentary, and I was racking my brain trying to think if this match even had commentary, because I don't think I even paid attention to it once. No, it was slim just if it was. Rest. Yeah, but just really good like psychology and like Piper blocking off the, the sheep herders to the tights and Matt helping get in the ring. Just good stuff. Solid babyface versus heel wrestling, because they're building to something big. Which would be the street fight match that we see we say later on in their careers, which made them all the money. Shall we move on to the next match, sir? Yes, because this has about twelve minutes of fucking stalling. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna move on to the territory where the sheep herders really made their name, which was Puerto Rico World Wrestling Council in the nineteen eighties, which was one of the toughest territories to get over in you could possibly imagine. Um, by this point, the, the World Wrestling Council Tag Team Champions coming into this match against the Youngbloods, Mark and Jay. Um, this was taken from uh, WWC Highlights tape um, just after Mark and Blood had passed away uh, from injuries sustained in the wrestling match. Um, so Jay won Youngblood. Jay was one of my favourite wrestlers as a kid. I, we had videotape of the feuds 
uh, Jay and Ricky Steamboat had with the Briscoes in the original Briscoe Brothers in uh, North Carolina and South Carolina and with the Rocket Promotion stuff. And they were they were as good a tag team as I've ever seen at the time. Um, and Mark and Jay are really good as well. And they're proper good baby faces too. They really do have a lot of charisma. They connect with the crowd really, really well. So they're kind of like the ideal foils for the sheep herders who were getting their pat down. Now, the Kiwis were a different kind of team to the sheep herders. All the things you see in the sheep herders came from the Kiwis, but the sheep herders essentially took over the Australian kangaroo shtick, essentially. The kangaroos were a team from the 1950s and 60s who built around uh, the, the idea of Australian nationalism. And the sheep herders just borrowed that gimmick essentially wholesale because the sheep because the, the kangaroos were no longer around. And they just took this idea of being an ultra-nationalist New Zealand tag team. Um, they had flags. They pledged allegiance to the flag. And this particular match, they're being managed by Jonathan Boyd, who had subbed for Butch when Butch went back to New Zealand to take some time off. And Jonathan Boyd, we've, we've commentated on his matches. I think it was from the, the Alabama Territory, or maybe the Georgia Territory, when the Kiwis were Sweet Luke and Jonathan Boyd. Um, but in this particular case, he's back managing them. Now, this video has been going for two minutes and 16 seconds, and already the bush, uh, sorry, the, the sheep bird has walked off. <laughs> Jay and Mark like are. Six minutes, and they're yeah. still just showing off flags. It's yeah. Jay and Mark ridiculous. have been showing the Puerto Rican flag because obviously they're baby faces and they want to be liked. Intriguingly, the amount of distance between the ring and the audience is large for two reasons. One, they know the wrestlers are going to be encouraged to roll outside the ring. And two, they don't want the wrestlers to die. So they keep the audience as far away from as they, as they possibly can. In one of these Puerto Rican matches, I actually see a three police officer threaten a fan member with a nightstick in the middle of the match. And the sheep herders know how to exactly exact as much heat as they possibly can to get minimal effort out of this match. They don't even need to wrestle Mark and Jay. <laughs> that is superfluous. The whole performance, Luke has just got onto the ring apron at 3 minutes and 18 seconds into this video. Bear in mind, they've already come well, to the ring at this in the point. Ring, probably. Uh, Butch is on the apron now, and we're, we're closing in on 4 minutes. Luke still's not got rid of the flag yet. We're in the ring. Luke is in the ring with the flag. Now we've got to have the salute to the flag. Jonathan Boyd is now in the ring, so the match can't start because the manager's in the ring. Um, and now we're going to like have a bit of an argument about things and, and you know keep winding up the audience. Butch doesn't want to hear the audience. The Puerto Rican flag is being run by the fans. The referee's going through instructions. We're now four minutes in. Jonathan Boyd is arguing with the young one, brothers. Sorry? I was going to say, Boyd is still chatting shit with the, the challenger team. He's like, yeah. you. Oh, now he's firing up his boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Referee's telling him to calm down. Oh, a bit more flag waving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. It's How like much the video. I hate to see this. <laughs> 
the video is 23 minutes and we spend about the first half of that video just watching them argue over facts. It's hilarious. Well, we're, we're, well, we're coming in on five minutes now and nothing is, literally nothing has happened as far as the rest of just concerned. We're going to stick with it until they tie up. Uh, very carefully extending the New Zealand flag, a bit of marching, and there's a Oh no, we've got, we've got to start again because the crowd's being too noisy. The best thing is, after, after all the shenanigans, you do just get quite a nasty brawl of a match. Like, they make full use of the sand pit around the ring. They yeah. are... This was the first... I think this was the first video on the playlist where things got properly violent. Because... Yeah, start coming in, we've got the flag battles, we've got... In fact, it was hilarious, considering how much they love the flag, they sure do use that flagpole as a weapon on <laughs> so many different occasions. I'm not convinced this is the New Zealand Constitution. The use of the New Zealand flag. Oh, now we've got the salute to the Puerto Rican flag. Oh yes, that's it. They gave the opportunity for the fans. These guys should be flown in position one and to the left when you're facing the flags, it says. Well, they're on the right side of the room to the hard cams, so that's all wrong. Oh no, it says to the left, and they did hold it up to the left of the hard camera, so I suppose they were right. Uh, yeah. I wanted to take a chair to them, and Boyd's just been like, no, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the classic WWC channel, by the way. We are now six minutes and three seconds in. This is This is just amazing. Oh, we've got the public now. We've got the, we've got the proper flag salutes. We've been marching. We've got a salute. Yes. Well, this is this entire stall section longer than the next video in the playlist. Yeah. We've got Hosey in seven minutes. This is just massive. How to keep the audience relaxed. Because <laughs> they ate it. They really do. The back of the area still got the flag up, so we still haven't started anywhere near that there. Um, oh, Vulture's on one ring, Vulture's going up on the air, Luke's in the ring, Vulture's on the air, and now it's the other one's going on. Is it going to start? No, it's still not going to start. The young ones are still milking everything for the audience that they can. This is like the equivalent of like club goers fighting over their favourite football team. It is, yes. Um, which off too. It's used to happen to end in violence, but now we're above that and it doesn't happen to ever. Obviously. A referee's, oh my God, carefully wrapping, a referee's carefully wrapping up the flag and um, Mark is sending back to the audience. Uh, Jay's considering getting out of the ring. No, he's ready to start. Now, Butcher's got to the apron. Sorry, Luke has dropped off to the apron. Butcher's winding himself up and starting We still haven't had him entire eight minutes we're in. And we're going to start with the title. And... Hello. Oh, no, no. Luke's still, no, no, Luke's still, no, no, Luke's not having it. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, no, 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 no. Luke's not liking it. He he's doesn't like the odds. So Luke's off. And we'll start over again. Butch has dropped off the ring. Now Luke's moving back to the ring. 
we're going to powwow with Jonathan, try and figure things out here. It's not going well. Luke's back on the edge and he's got me. Maybe now we can start. I need each other up. Oh. Oh. There was like hey. eight minutes and 55 seconds of stalling <laughs> in a 23 minute match. I'm pretty sure they stall again after this little because he just legs it. <laughs> so we've got a tie up. Butch comes in the ring. Jay threatens to, to hammer Luke in the corner. Luke gets his head through the ropes. Some more stalling. Well, this is just mastery of how to control an audience to do absolute minimum to get the most reaction. It's just amazing. It's not the most technical thing to do, but it damn sure makes money. It's really fun to watch as well when you actually sort of do a countdown to how long they spend wasting your time. It's much more entertaining when you type it. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it, it goes forward into a row, basically. It just goes on. I think it ends up in that contest, isn't it? Yeah, because they start just bringing chairs in and sort of just completely attacking each other. Yeah, it's a non-championship match, which is like the, the commentator on this is Hugo Smanovic uh, and Bobby, Bobby Riggers. Um, Bobby was one of the top um, mid-card heels in WWC at the time. What's this? What's, what this is worth listening for? Hilariously, is Bobby Riggers starts telling stories about when he was wrestling in South Africa and how Bobby Riggers were in South Africa. Hugo Smith goes, and I quote, goes, of course, Bobby did wrestle in South Africa before all the racism started. It was a very long time ago. And I'm like, what, like 1630? <laughs> He's 400 years old. Because, <laughs> you know, the Dutch started colonizing Southern Africa in 1640. So, you know, be a while. Um, but yeah, that just made me giggle. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. and black people. Didn't go on for the last few times. Anywho, um... He's got into the crowd, he's dead. Yes. Oh my it. god, look at them diving! <laughs> it's just like, no, get him away, get him away. Yeah. Like, this, there are four police officers, or two police officers and a security guard protecting Luke for a rising bush. And that's a massive one piece of as well. That was not an easy one, because he's landed in the front Oh no, that's the police captain. It's not even. <laughs> he's not even a well dressed security guard. He is the captain of the police force. He's there. He's in charge of security. That's amazing. I've probably been there for jumping into a piranha tank. I thought so. And it's still certain places they used to play out here. They used to play out. They used to like show throw blocks at the heels. Like loops of concrete and then broken off from the stadium steps. Oh. Yeah. Fort Rico in the 80s was a whole other level. Um, but yes, um, this match is really good. And we've got to put a playlist together, and I'll put it on the tweets when I explain the sizes. I'll be moving on to the next one, sir. Because this one looks and just. I can't believe they exist. It feels like a fever dream. It does, yes. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is slightly later in the year, and the sheep herders have established themselves since November. Um, 
the cheapers established themselves as the top fuel tactic to the point where Carlos Colon, the biggest brewer in the territory, has been brought in to kind of shut up the sheep herders. And he chooses as his tag team partner the great Kabuki, the biggest heel in the territory, which is hilarious. Uh, Hiram Bythorn is now the manager of the sheep herders. And this essentially is hard. From beginning to end, there is nothing to this but Carlos and Greg Kabuki coexisting very well in life and my uh, The referee is um, uh, handcuffing um, the manager uh, to uh, um, an official WWC to make sure he doesn't interfere. Um, and there is hate, so much hate in this match. Um, and we're in Bayern Moon, we're in the baseball stadium in Bayern Moon. We're all the big WWC matches there, they could have been. We're at um, home plate. <laughs> and uh, this is just insane. Because it's 7 minutes and 54 seconds long, it's not very long. But they literally throw the kitchen sink at one another. There is no, like, can Kabuki and Kawan coexist? They've got one job to do, and that's to beat the living snot out of their opponents, and that's what they do. And everyone's bleeding. Yeah, this is just an absolute shit-kicking of a match. Like, yeah. there's nothing nice here. It's just seven, well, about five minutes once everything gets going of just pure brutality. <laughs> it is. It is just like, you know... Even like the first thing, like Luke backs up um, Carlos into the corner, and Kabuki just smacks him in the face. Um, Nobody is playing nice here. It's like no. you have pissed everyone off to the point that everyone is going to kill you. <laughs> we don't like each other, and we don't like each other more than we dislike you. <laughs> uh. It's just a shame the quality is a bit all over the place with this video because it makes it look like I'm literally watching someone's fever dream. It is. I think it's because it's just it's second or third generation VHS, but actually the shooting isn't bad. Um, no, the camera is incredible. Like the production yeah. value really high for WWC. It's just the tapes not survived. No, not done as well as it possibly could have done. Um, but yeah, that Bayern Moon Stadium always looks nice though. I do like that place. Uh, I do prefer this, it when it's got loads of fire around it. Uh. Yeah, this is the anniversary show that year as well. So this was the biggest show. The biggest match they could put on that year was the Sheep Herders versus Carlos Colon and Kabuki. They did build towards that. This was their WrestleMania. And, um, yeah, just intense. Um, and it's like, it's a regular tag team match to start with. But then it just breaks down and it just becomes violence with violence on top of violence with some more violence. <laughs> And here we go. They start playing ping pong. <laughs> and it's a classic old school trope. And essentially, this match can't go any other way. The heels have to get their comeuppance. There's no other way this can go. Um, because otherwise, wrestling just isn't fair, is it? <laughs> so, you know. And, oh, there's go. Carlos has stabbed him. There we go. We're into it now. The uh, Super Estrellas de Lucha Libre. Um... And yeah, and that's that really. But again, it's one of these matches you just kind of got to watch. It's not very long. It's one for a long. 
Um, and you know, we're back on after the break. If you do, he's just trying to split open Butch Rook, Butch. Oh no, he's trying to split open Luke, whilst Carlos Colon is trying to take home Butch Reed and Butch Miller's leg, essentially. It's, it's just dangerous. It's like literally just like, this is it. We're killing you now. Yes. We need rid of you. We have called the exorcist, and that exorcist is your broken limbs. <laughs> um, and then even even with the manager um, uh, handcuffed to a WWC official, he still manages to interfere to stab the great Kabuki, and things break down from there. So the baby faces actually into the bruising, um, which is you know it moves things forward, but. They didn't lose out in the great scheme of things because they are an ass whooping. Um, a proper ass whooping, to be honest with you. Um, and figure fours for everybody. Why not? I like Carl's Colon's figure four. It looks vicious. It really I goes out. the fact that he literally just jumps on your legs. It's, it's not even like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do the little knee break. It's just like, I'm jumping on your knee. If it doesn't break, that's on you. <laughs> uh, the funny thing this, this isn't even the end of the WWC footage we've got yet oh no it gets worse <laughs> um, but yeah it ends up with, like Kabuki's out at this particular point so it's Carl's taking one by themselves by themselves and I think they sneak one there. I'm going to skip to the end because otherwise we're not going to, we're not going to talk about anything else. Because we're both sat watching this match, so we should probably talk about this one more. Um, what happened there? Oh, okay. Invader, yeah, um, somebody comes down to help out with the. Uh, I think it's Invader. Comes to help out uh, with the Chief Herders after the match. That's it. I'm trying to get to the end of the match. Um, Kabuki's still on the apron. Referee calls it at that particular point. And then um, Butch starts attacking people with chairs. And that's that. Should we move on to the next one? That's, that, it's hilarious because you, you think of the Bushwhackers and it's like, oh, it's just this, this happy, family-friendly sort of goofy team. And then here they are. Public enemy number one. Nearly dying in Puerto Rican crowds. It's It's hilariously... Sort of, yeah, it's, it's the dichotomy of man, the we're duality. Back, we're back in by a moon, and um, if you thought they're going to get an ass whooping last time, oh baby, Invader One in Carlos Cologne going up against the Sheep Herders in front of an even bigger crowd in by a moon, and this is a, and I quote, Lucha de Ambulance match. Basically, you're going over in a by a moon ambulance. Um, is the winner of this match is the match that is is referee stoppage. No other rules. Go. And There's not even any stalling. It just no. it's it's all fists from the start, and then within about thirty seconds, they're out on the outside, just killing each other. That's it. It is just pure violence. And again, it just goes to show that like this technically sound tag team could just devolve into pure brawling insanity. And it, it just gets bloody as hell, hell. It's it is, so it's, much fun. It's longer, um, and it has no real storyline. It's just kind of rock and roll. And um, essentially, Invader 1 um, slides off with Butch, and Luke slides off with Carl's Cologne, 
and they just do damage to each other for 10 minutes. That's all they do. Um, and it, it's just entirely based around the heat the sheep herders have built in their time in WWC. And then you keep applying that heat, you keep applying that heat, and there has to be a blow-off. And this is the blow-off. Like everyone just wants to see these two men from New Zealand die. Yeah. <laughs> That's your story. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> nothing more to it than that. It's it's just insane. Um and it is it's actually more violent than the previous one. The previous one was pretty violent. <laughs> yeah, this this one doesn't even have like the nice little formalities to begin with. It's literally just brawl, brawl, brawl. Blood, brawl, blood, probably weapons, blood. It's yeah. I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a gimmick match in the sense it's a Texas Tornado tag team match essentially with no DQ. That's what it is. So there's no like this isn't a chain match or anything like that. But it is a gimmick match in that sense. But it's a blow off match, and it's just intense, just absolutely intense. And it shows you how much of a draw they were. And this stadium's absolutely rammed full. I wonder if this was the anniversary show. I'm going to look it up. Okay. WC anniversary. So much carnage on display because it's just it's just like ten minutes of pure striking and throwing people into things. It's no technical marvel, but it's not supposed to be. It's just the ultra violent blow off match to see these old like. Most loathsome of heels get their ass kicking. Oh, there we go. He's just picked up a rock. I think it's a rock. It's either a rock or a ring bell or something. He's just cracked Cologne in the head with it. Oh, we're at Hiram Bythorn Stadium. I do apologize. Hiram Bythorn was not the name of their manager. It was the stadium they were wrestling in. I do apologize. <laughs> but yeah, it, Hiram Bythorn. How many people get in that? It was. Um, just got a nice two. Uh, doesn't tell me how many people can go in there. A what is what I'm saying. Um, Even my dog's into this match. Yeah, there you go. Um, 1984 anniversary show. A 34,000 people in attendance at this show. Jesus. For a local promotion. Well, I suppose Puerto Rico's a national promotion, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. 34,000 people wanted to see the sheep herders get their heads taken off. Yeah. Insane. And then, after all of this, one Cologne and Invader not... one are kind of on a downward turn and they've lost momentum. Hercules Elia comes out to beat Seven Shades and shoot out the sheep herders. <laughs> For no other reason than they're the sheep herders. It's hilarious. There's just so much going on because it's like we need rid of this force, god damn it. Carlos Colon's drop kick though. How beautiful is that? He had some spring in his legs, didn't he? He truly knew what he was doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's Hercules Alaya attacking the sheep as referee um manager. And it's all falling apart the sheep at particular moments in time. Shall we move on? The funny thing is, like, most of these people hate each other, and they're all, like, aligning just to kill the sheep herders. Like, Alon and Elijah would end up in that, the more, like, the famous fire mask 
the hot yeah. name by me. It's just like, these people don't like each other, but they like the sheep herders even less. <laughs> yeah, two years later, they were after murdering each other as well. Shall we go on to the next one? Yes, because we've got one more from WWC. Uh, by the way, Hugo Savanovich on these two as well, because he's commentating in Spanish. I don't know what Hugo Savanovich did for WWC, but I think he did everything. Uh, we start off with the, the flag ceremony against the invaders. I think this must have been earlier in the year. Because um, invaders wanted to be wearing masks uh, from the start off. Oh, it's Burden 1 and 3, I should say. Oh, yes, that's because invaders 2 would have been in legal problems because he killed someone. Anywho. Um, Fuck invader 2. Yes, indeed. This is Invader 1 and Invader 3 who are wearing masks at this particular point to try to the confusion. They're babyfaces, by the way. And this is just a regular Wesley match. Yeah, that was a pretty brisk start for the sheep herders there. Yeah, they got the, the flag shenanigans out of the way. Um, but I suppose this probably could have been earlier in the year and they were building their heat because it was a 1986 match. Um, so, yeah. Oh, we do have another WWC uh, match recap, um, but it's from 1988, so they're kind of off the boil by that point. Though it is a World Tag Team title match. Yeah, it's just showing that like the Sheep Herders, despite all their brawling and gimmickiness as time went on, they could still work with like fast-paced teams, because they're selling their little hearts out here, while it still is. acting like flat. It's perfect. <laughs> I suppose this is probably the least exciting of all the matches we've looked at so far because it's not a blow-off match. It's a building-up match to get you to the blow-off. Um, so I think the funnier thing is it's it's just overshadowed by what we're about to get into. Indeed. Shall we move on? Yes, we've <laughs> got barbed wire cage matches, people. Okay, so we're going to move on to the UWF and we're going to move on to Terry Taylor and the Fantastics. Going up against Jack Victory and the Sheep Herders. Um, Jack Victory was associated with Sheep Herders for quite some time. He was a rookie wrestler who wanted some exposure. Uh, this isn't the Fantastics, actually, it's the Fabulous Ones. Um, I realise this. No, no, it is the Fantastics, the Fabulous Ones of Lake Wisdom. So, we're in the UWF in 1986, so in between stuff with WWC and um, uh, UWF, but in three months of UWF, sorry, UWC, um, Luke and Butch were taking walk-ins with UWF, which was um, a Billboard promotion in Oklahoma, parts of Texas. Um, and they picked up on this feud with the Fantastics, who were the obvious kind of people to wrestle in, in the sense of Butch and Luke were grizzled veterans who looked like veterans and Bobby and Jackie were sorry, uh, Bobby, yeah, Bobby and Jackie were good looking young wrestlers who were exceptionally talented and remarkably young women will pay money to see good looking young men in peril I don't know if you know that John um, It seems like a winning formula Yeah it does and Phil uh, Watts not being stupid um, made money hand over fist with the Fantastics and the Bush and the Sheep Herders in all sorts of matches. We've got a couple of them on this particular playlist. There's literally 20 of them. You can go find all of them. And this one is a barbed wire cage match. 
Uh, just to describe it, it is literally a wooden cage around the ring, and instead of having ropes, it having a cage wire that we would like mesh, is barbed wire. Right? <laughs> to add into the, the dirtiest of constructions. No. Uh, to add into the form, Terry, Terry uh, Taylor is tagging with the Fantastics, and uh, Jack Rocky is tagging with the Bushwhackers. When I say tag wrapping, it's up to tag wrapping. <laughs> when I say tagging, it's tornado rules, because obviously you can't tag in and out, because there's too much barboy in the way. And the reptile out there. Um, and there's blood everywhere. Your thoughts, John? <laughs> Honestly enough, this is one of, like, these two are, like, perfect examples of what happens when, like, you know you've got, like, 15 more of these death matches to do, so you... You make it look as shocking as possible while still being as reserved as possible. Because they could do so much, like, with this. And they do. But they also hold a lot of back because they know they've got to do about 15 more of these. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice example of balance. Because, like, there's plenty of shocking moments. People going into wire, a lot of blood. And as you said, it's all to make these young men look like they're in peril from the nasty, grizzled veterans. And you get, like, so many people just wrapped in wire. Yet at the same time, it's like, you know for a fact if this was in, if this was a one-off, they'd be going so much worse and they're not. It's a perfect example of, like, we've got 15 more death matches to do on this tour. Let's just keep it. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the reasons why they didn't pass that long on you because Bill Watts wanted to do that to Mark 36 by a cage which is in the right and the production went from like. I mean, Patrick's is going to use it for the perfect time. There's another series match that went out of it. Give a tag match after this one. Uh, street fight actually. Um, which we might have. Um, and in this particular point, Sheep person tag team champions uh, of the mid set tag team champions time. The ring of that tag title match in second is the winner of that whole set match. We should set the tag team match before we started. Hey, oh, I can do that now. There we go. Let's pop that around. So we'll move on to the tag team title match, which is the tag team champions at the time Ted B. Biossi and Dr. Death Steve Williams, which is a pretty good tag team as things, as things go. Um, we would like to be the top heels in Mid-South, but at the time, we were the top baby faces in Mid-South. Um, and they were going up against the Sheep Herders, who were making a very early match. Jack Victory is their flag bearer. Um, and um, Luca Butcher complaining to the referee about the fans before things start. So there's a fair bit of stalling in this one. But to their credit, Steve Williams and Terry Gordy do come out with old glory to the strains of Bruce Springsteen singing Born in the USA which is a good piece of cheap heat if ever I slow on. I want to see what called Death the Axis. You need team names where it's just two mashed together. It's like so much fun. Like Death the Axis. Imagine that. Who are you fighting? Death the Axis. Who are just charging out at you with an American flag, good old born in the USA. Probably going to drop you on your head more times than you can count. And he doesn't even have the money to pay your hospital bills just yet. <laughs> yeah. Because he's only the thousand dollar man, he's not the million dollar man. Oh, Jack is such a boss. Awesome he just looks like he's going to hurt people before we even start. Isn't it? 
So there's a fair bit of patriotism and nationalism going on in this. And again, I'm going to skip forward to so it actually starts two minutes and 37 seconds in, which is about five months. We've got physical contact for two minutes and 37 seconds. Now we're still going, uh, oh no, we're still, we're still doing begging off session. Oh no, four minutes in. Here we go. So we start at 4.24ish in a match that is um, 10 minutes long. <laughs> but having said that, when it gets going, it bumps like a good potato. Yeah, again, it's, it's a very sort of physical contest. Just maybe not quite as unhinged as some of the ones we've been watching. No, true. I mean, Ted is an excellent bullpit wrestler, and Steve is an excellent power wrestler. But they're not kind of like Harlem and Iron and Broomstone match guys out there. They're more uh, you know, straight wrestlers who might have you know, you can't get bored because the sheep herders are just like bosses of personality. So every time the, like they sense there might be a lull, they just try to piss everyone off again. <laughs> and before you know it, you just get more like hectic strike fest. Like Doctor Death is just having fun there with, I think it's Butch. Butch yeah, it's yeah, Butch. It's Butch. They're just going nuts. And again, I bet it. I bet it was refreshing for some of these wrestlers to just go in there with like two people who know what to do will give you like just gift you a storyline and then you can literally just go in there and beat the shit out of them like it it must be so much fun and doc's waiting for him to get back in the ring up he was gonna try he was gonna throw that football tackle at him he just turned around and got back in the ring but he had to go take the powder and it's a bit of ice it's, it's great. It's just... Sorry? He just come off like the worst. Butch has just come off the worst back body drop spot I've seen over the top rope. He's trying to check his neck and he's still just gyrating at the crowd. <laughs> now, this match was edited down a little bit, but it's still quite I just was selling. Sometimes we keep watching this because they're just so built. <laughs> it's, like, kind of, it's kind of like the reverse of a regular match in the sense that the bushwhack is a bit of a bushwhack. The sheep herd is a bit of a bushwack. We've still got six videos to get through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's keep it. Mesmerizing. Yeah, I don't know. Should we keep going? That's his new bar. That's because we got another barbed wire cage match. <laughs> However, we do have the sheep owners versus the Fantastics. Um, Wait, this isn't Sam a barbed wire cage. Yeah, this is, this is just a regular street fight, isn't it? Oh, this is the Australian. This was the, I think they, did they call it the New Zealand boot camp match, or were they New going Zealand the Australian boot camp, boot camp match? match? Yeah. New Zealand boot camp match. That was it. Because this is, this is just a pure car crash. Like, this was. I saw, at first I sort of looked at it, it was like, oh, it's the Sheepers and the Fantastics, but there's no bad way cage. So at first I was like, oh, is this going to be a straight wrestling contest? And then I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, sweetie, no. This <laughs> this gets just as unhinged as that barbed wire cage match, if not worse. Oh, well, we don't actually need barbed wire to have a challenge, because you can go with it. If you go with the ball, right? 
it's amazing. <laughs> and it just becomes like blunt force trauma and shocking the match. Oh, I know. It is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's intense. It's a level of intensity boosted to the entire thing. It's a fantastic start. And start coming to the room and just hit people with the tag box. That's the first thing they do. <laughs> and that's the baby face too. So you can't imagine what the heels are doing. And then this thing will start falling. These two teams were made for each other. And made to make a million years more. This is a problem with having like the visual side on. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. we can know what watching, but at the same time, it's just like we get lost watching the matches because it it, it's just fun. Like this is the thing: the sheep herd has built a sort of entire career on just making it really fun to watch them get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. Like, Starts they have some of the, yeah. They have some of the most violent blow-off matches in, like, wrestling history, because people just hated them that much. And it was a case of, oh, there we go. Chair shot to the box. Yeah, nope, chair shot. Yeah, watch is bleeding already. <laughs> Luke is Luke's, not bleeding immediately. Luke's just in. wandering around clubbing people. It's just like, it's it's so hard to hit because, like, it's just fun. It's really fast, really violent, pretty physical, and it all makes sense. It's not uh, just like, oh yeah, we let two teams have a scrap. It's like, no, the Sheep Herd has pissed everyone off to the degree that we are letting our teams just have at them because we want them dead. Yeah, just intense. I must say, the referee's really I don't know what it was. It was finding the counter to do, like, straight punches and stuff. Oh, you're there. What's this? Crack. Yeah. And then he just hangs back into the car. It's like, do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> There's almost a level of, like... It's almost like watching Cactus Jack levels of unhinged at times. Perfect. It does remind yeah. me of what, yeah, Butch has got some more information destruction for a recall, um, and he's just having it. And Jackie Bolton Cats, that's why Bobby Bobby Bolton Cats is this is Bobby Bolton Cats. And this is great. Now we've got a chair coming in, and there's another chair shot to the which wasn't particularly stiff, which looked amazing because Bobby Bolton there's probably a lot of women in there just swooning over these young men in peril. Yeah, that's it. That's all you need. I'm sure we'll move on to the next one. Because speaking of young men in peril, you have different young men who are also in peril. Yeah, because I will just sit and watch this match otherwise. <laughs> just love the still shots in the back. Literally crucifying one. Blood everywhere. Right then, so the next match is a TV match, and we're in WCW, and it's the Sheep Herders versus Hartley Express from 1988 in May. We've got Jimmy Ops in the year 60s and 90s. My God, it's hideous. What do you think of that? 
Shippers, along with Rick Morgan, they recently had Johnny Ace as their flag bearer, but they fired him and got Rick Morgan instead. Johnny Ace, yes, talent relations officer, who's tweeted the reference up to the news more recently, was the flag bearer for the Shippers when he started in New Zealand. And you know it's going to be a tag team match because the referee is Teddy Long. I just, I just love that even in introductions, you've got your regular, like, cool American team versus these hyper-animated, hyper-expressive, like, Kiwis. It's just like, you couldn't have two more diametrically opposed teams before the match has even begun. Oh, um, the tag team of the wrestling convention. Because the Lightning Express didn't have who were kind of the classical new teams for UCWs, like NWA in this particular year. You've also got like a classic country team, Jim Ross and Bob Cordell. Doesn't get it from that. You've got um, Rick Morgan and fucking Hacker. Morgan Maiori Hacker. You've got Warrington. So you've got some matching, you've got some slogans, you've got like Uber or Hacker. What more do you want from that? Oh. Again, if they weren't such magnets, like for he, like this would have been the most over team in her like existence purely because of how funny they are, true. and how just true to like true to themselves they are being. Like that's that's why the bushwhackers succeeded because they took the things that like people hated from the sheep herders and just decided, well, if we made this fun and friendly. And because like the bushwhackers helped to get into the ring, it's essentially what they did to the back to start with. The arms were installed. It was just the cut to the audience there, who were just like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you focus on those two guys? Um, yeah, Armstrong. but that, that didn't make sense to me when I watched this the first time yesterday, because I was just like, you've got this crowd that are very loud and friend, like, into this, and you cut on the one guy who's more interested in his bloody soda. Um, I don't know if you said Simon's force, the late great Brad Armstrong, who is absolutely amazing. I think he did most talented men for the Armstrong family. Probably didn't have the wisdom of the Armstrong family, but just technically, he was just absolutely amazing. Tim Bond, a great wrestler, too. Um, uh, ended up working for smoking out and wrestling. Because he went into business for himself. It's like I think when Tim Hall got into business, fucking selling it on the And Tim Hall was massively in the way. It was really good. I'm walking to East Field and walked straight in. And yeah, this was this match. And the sheep herders didn't really reach the heights of this particular room, but you see the they had the most but they did get so much heat. You can tell they got so much heat, but then again, look at the other tag teams that were in the UCW at the time, you had three ones just come in, Road Warriors. Within a year, you had the Midnight Express, you had, you know, within a year, you had Doom, you had the Stanley's and the Horizon, you know. Tag team wrestling was about to change forever, and this was kind of the last of that classic 80 year with Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express tag team 
there and you see one each um, the sheep pose the boot for as um, a heel tea, you know. They would like they would perfect those with rock and roll express to make tight tag teams like like new tracks or midnight express or you know, good looking green blonde white boys versus results from zoomers. That's gonna be making the everyday week. Again, we're just going to get lost in watching these matches. We are definitely. This match ends with Johnny Ace coming to win to save after 10 points. I'm just trying to make a stall count for this match, and it doesn't seem like there is one. A stall count? No. Got too heavy on stall. I'm looking forward to it. Cause it's kind of funny because in this in this one it seems like they're almost the good guys just because we're trying like we're getting the Batten tri- twins trying to pull some like twin magic shenanigans. <laughs> the Batten twins are tweeners. It's like we need Daryl watch that night and buy a moon the whole show. They started off the show with babyface commentators and ended the show with heel commentators. And they turned heel on commentary halfway through the show. A clever way to do it. Yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Got to get go. the salute in. I do apologise. I said um, there's just so much rubbish in the ring because they're just hurl- the fans are just hurling stuff at the sheep as all the way through this match. Because they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot really, closer. In. They're really not popular, are they? You know, we, we didn't have to go far to rile up the Puerto Rican crowd. You know, and for the sheep herders, we're experts at it. The only other team that got that kind of reaction that I've seen from them from just doing basic heel stuff. Uh, and sheep are pretty much in the same kind of level of heat. Um, but yeah, no, this is just, just so much fun to watch. Watching I feel sorry for Butcher's knees there. But again, it's just so many like bumps and stuff that are taken. Yeah, it's like they're not a they're not a team that are taking it easy. It's they're like absolutely they, not. You can you can make all the cracks you want about the bushwhackers, but if nothing else, they earned that fucking break. <laughs> Bearing in mind, Butch and Butch is at a 20, 23 year career at this point. He's in his early 40s. And they've been working like this for like 10 years. You know, and they've had some big, violent matches and a lot of like, heavy action as heels. Because, you know, heel, you were in the era of heels having to bump off. Because it was still wasn't, it was TV orientated. Should we move on, or are you anything else to say about this one? Again, it's it's quite fun just what they would get up to with different types of teams. Like obviously, they were aware that the Batten Twins were probably going to pull some some things out of their ass to try and mess with them. It's another Barbara Cage Max, folks, and this one involves the Sheep Herders. Uh, I think it's with Jonathan Boyd this time going up against the fabulous ones and Paul Diamond. And the fact this one, the gayest tag team of all time, and I mean that they wore the shortest tights in wrestling history with leather chaps, pursuit of the bellies and beards. They were appealing to an audience that perhaps was not on the radar of the Memphis faithful at the time. <laughs> and the girls liked them too, because hey, good looking guys in very short tights. Um, the young ladies of Memphis appreciated them greatly, shall we say. Um, Hey, why special guy? To to the point of ten thousand of them turning up every Monday night to watch them get the snobby now by the sheep bones. 
It do. True. Very, very true. Um, yeah. Have, have you seen the classic picture of the fabulous ones? I probably have, but I feel like I, I need to see which one you mean. Um, I will find it for you, and I will send it to you. Uh, where is it? Oh, yeah. There we go. I've got it. I'm going to send it to you on um, on Twitter so you can enjoy it. It's the greatest picture you've ever seen in your life. Absolutely. Like a ruler. I love how we're talking about, like, classic photos while people are just getting, like, torn up on barbed wire. There you go. Check your Twitter. Yeah, and this is absolutely really violent. Um, I also just like the fact that they didn't have time to take their chaps off face height, which is exactly what you It's like. basically like a giant chicken coop. It is. <laughs> That's well put. Have you seen the picture yet? Oh, are you sure it's sent? Yeah, it's there. Oh no, it Try it now. There you go. I was going to say, it was either that or having yet another meltdown. Possibly. Try that. Oh. There we go. Yes. Oh me, oh my. That, Indeed. That is glorious. <laughs> that, that is very much trying to appeal to a certain demographic. Like Subaru do. That... <laughs> That yeah. probably had a lot of people asking themselves some very difficult questions. <laughs> that they were very unprepared to answer given the time frame. Um, but anywho, <laughs> back to the match. Maybe we need to send that picture to a bunch of Republican senators. See what they thought of it at the time. I mean, Stan and Stan, clearly quite safe in their own sexualities, I think. Right with Cornette and the Express. And um, he's basically said in his book that essentially Stan would stop off at the pharmacy on the way home and buy as much baby oil as he could. And he would listen in the next hotel room to Stan and his lady friend of choice using that baby oil for ways in which it was not intended on the bottle to be used. Um, and is that, uh, is that Stan Kern being strangled with the Stars and Stripes there? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll be that. And, um, he's just blood everywhere. They're all it, bleeding. It's not pretty. No, it, it's, it's not. It's very much... This is the inverse of that match I was on about earlier, because this is the one where it's like, right, this one is probably a one and done. We're going to go as all out as humanly possible. And, like, yeah. there's broken flagpoles being stabbed in the head. People just getting fully wrapped in barbed wire. Cuts galore, blood galore. It's a mess. In the best way possible. You can't really yeah. describe it anywhere, any other way. Um, well, the funniest thing is the duality of what's about to play next. Because we, we just on? had the most violent of the violent cage matches to bushwhacker squash match. Yes, our next match, our, the next and final match, because we had to, um, like, you know, Give you an example of what's coming next uh, is the Bushwhackers versus the Conquistadors. Those who don't know, the Conquistadors was a tag team uh, featuring Jose Estrada Jr. and Jose Luis Riviera, um, who were kind of like the standard genre tag team of the particular era. Uh, though they did win some matches, they weren't full on jobbers. They did have some matches, and um, 
Barbarian and Warlord as the final two teams. It didn't last very long, but they were the final baby faces that they are, and definitely not the violent grandpas they certainly look to be having what we've just been, been through. We've been through. Because this is juxtaposition of the highest like, order. This is like the Florida retirement for them. Yeah. This is like the, we worked our asses off, and now we're going to take it easy. And even then, they're not exactly taking it easy, considering like, there's still a lot of animation, there's a lot of personality there, and there's, they just don't have to bump as much. And I mean, considering everything we've watched them do, that was probably a relief. <laughs> well, considering the fact that this match is 3 minutes and 25 seconds long, which is shorter than the stalling in the first match we saw. I mean, don't forget, this match also had entrances. So the oh, yeah. match itself is probably about a minute and a half. Yeah. Maybe. That's it. That's all it needed to do. It set up them as a competent tag team who knew what they were doing and were there to have fun. Pat Patterson was the, the guy that got me in WWE at the time with uh, some advice from Dragon Ball Kid that I think was Butch had asked about joining WWE. All the segments you saw Butch and Luke in, they produced it themselves. They didn't have road agents on them to do. They did the thing they wanted the way they wanted to do it. And that was that. And, and this finisher is aced. Inverted gut buster. <laughs> I just love how he comes in to kick him off and he just doesn't move. <laughs> I don't know, so you're going to have to hit him harder than that to break the pin. <laughs> oh, and that and was you, that. Can tell just, you can tell they just want to have fun now. Like... They've done the gr- like they've done the hard part. They've earned the sort of chance to just be themselves, have some fun, get paid. Well, kids loved it, and you know what else could you say, really? Um, of course, you know Bushwhackers never held the World Tag Team Champions, arguably uh, championships. Arguably, some would say that was a good thing. And then eventually, they had one reboot, um, and then eventually just kind of faded away from the company. Butch went into retirement, finally, and Luke ended up going back to Puerto Rico to be with a long period of time. And is still wrestling at the age of 74, doing death matches across North America, because he likes them. <laughs> and he's going to stop him. I need to track one of those down. He's done a lot recently, to be honest with you. Um, they must be, like, really, like, local companies, because, like, most deathmatch companies are on my radar at this point. We need to have a discussion after the podcast, because I need, I need some of these. I don't think he's in deathmatches so much, but he is wrestling for deathmatch companies. Hmm. Um, we had 37 barbed wire cage matches. We spilled blood, we sweat, and today Luke and I cry together. Press from the family in New Zealand, Luke and the Wolves. He has, he has done matches this year, and some of them have been in deathmatch. That's been a think? really fun one. Again, he's like... People forget the sheep herders because they just think of the bushwhackers, but it's like there was a really talented, really brutal, really good at just making you hate them team out there before they started marching to the ring. And There's so much character and drew so much heat, and you can see how they drew that heat. They're very much like a tactile tag team in the sense you exactly the nuts and bolts of what makes them hated and how they exploit it and how they push it and how they get each little bit as much out of it as they possibly can. And that's really cool. Yeah, they 
there's no wasted motion with them. No, that's it. Everything does, everything is done for a reason, and there's a reason for everything. It's not scientifically beautific, but it's entertaining and it draws your attention. It really does. It's one of the more fun playlists you've sent me recently because I could just sit back and watch them. A makes their opponents look like chumps and then get into some of the most vicious brawls I've seen in a while. So, that's it. Um, on a weekend, um, I, and one of the questions we discussed is who, which British wrestler would actually draw for AEW at Wembley? Do you have any thoughts on that? AEW <laughs> at Wembley, is there any British wrestlers that actually help them draw to fill that stadium? Because we couldn't think of one except for ones that currently employ. Yeah, I'm trying to. Body X would be a good one. As a draw. I don't. Maybe not as much as it, like, but as part of a bigger match. Like people, it's like there's a lot of guys that like within their own field get a lot of it. It's like Leon Slater, for example. Mm. He's really popular at the moment, much in the same vein Commander is. So you, he might be a good shout. Who would only is the only person with a kind of mainstream crossover appeal that they don't already have? Because the obvious person is Soraya, who they have, but they managed to book her as a heel, so therefore they can't use her as a babyface draw, which is stupid. Put bums in seats and remember stadium. Osprey would not draw any more fans than you're already going to get because he, he can draw a big for a pro at your club. That's eight hundred people, and you need ninety thousand. You know the two biggest people we're missing off here in the rest: David Benson Phillips and Mr. True. Blobby. Yeah, yeah. The, Those uh, are the two. And the best be a raffle. The real raffle. I'm not going. These are what AEW need to be thinking of. It's like, yeah, we we've, we've got your Ospreys, we've got yeah, your Sariahs, your Drew Gallagher's, or McIntyre's. But have you got Mr. How are we gonna see that little purple menace? Run, not little, but are we going to see that purple menace run down to the ring and twat someone in the head with a chair? Didn't think so. Yeah. And will the final... But, like, I want them to have fun with it, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, 30 quid a ticket, they might actually fill it out. So, we'll see, won't we? But there we go. Yeah. But thank you for that little mini contribution. Um, my spies also tell me, um, or Jordan Grayson Twitter has also told me that CM Punk is backstage Impact Wrestling today. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. This picture of Jordan Grace with CM Punk. I still yeah. find it like I'd be why... absolutely I'd be absolutely god's fact if he's Impact Wrestling. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, like the whole garnering garnering this level of like discourse that it has compared to some of the much bigger and badder issues, is just bad. It is. It really is. Yeah, there we go. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, but they had a fight backstage, and it's like, yeah, but wrestlers fight. It's part of the job description. Find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell that will lead you to my writings, my ramblings, my opinions, screen caps from matches, and... You can also find me at John underscore Deathman on Instagram, which is kind of the same, but with more pictures. And if you are feeling particularly generous, you can find me on Patreon at the Deathmatch Digest. That will give you twice weekly Deathmatch deep dives and a whole bunch of free shit, including reviews and interviews, including one that went up yesterday with the Honey Badger himself, Neil Diamond Cutter. It is ridiculously fun, really in-depth, and yeah, has a lot of pictures of him getting skewered, if that's your thing. 
There you go. You can find me at Sheriff Leinster on Twitter, on Mastodon. Uh, you can find me at SheriffLeinster.tx on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, The Treatment Show, and on Instagram, The Treatment Show, or just Treatment Show on Instagram. On Patreon, you can find The Treatment Show, where you keep Treatment Show free forever for everyone. We have a Discord, too, if you'd like to come and join us there. Thank you very much for listening to us today. I'm not sure what we're doing next week. I think we have more Glate Marathon to go after because they've done a couple of episodes, including an all-international um, uh, Black Generation show, which I'm intrigued to watch. There is also Pro Wrestling Dantaku next week to catch upon, so we shall see. My name is James Troopany. Thank you for listening to the Troopany show this week. I apologise for the sound quality issues in this intro you're seeing, and we've had some problems today. But we'll be back next week. Take care, and speak to you soon. Bye! <laughs>